Episode 101 of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored today by Omnipod and Dexcom. The Omnipod system is wearable insulin delivery for people who insist life still comes first. The small, lightweight pump helps you to manage diabetes your way. Unlike traditional insulin pumps, there are no tubes. Plus, it's waterproof, so you get three days of nonstop insulin with no need to disconnect. And the Dexcom G5 Mobile Continuous Glucose Monitoring System is a mouthful, but it's also the only device that lets you treat without pricking your finger. There's more information coming up for you later in the show about both of these wonderful pieces of diabetes technology. But for now, we should play the music and find out more about today's episode. Today I'm speaking with Terry. She's the mother of 19-year-old Emerson. Emerson has had type 1 diabetes for quite some time. And today's episode is called Not in Kansas Anymore, Diabetes in Technicolor. Scott. Good morning. Okay, I have headsets. I'm. This is like really out of my comfort zone, so I'll put them on if I have to. Terry, you <laughs> just said I have a headset, and it sounded like I have had sex, and I was like, I don't know why she's okay. telling me that. <laughs> Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. My name is Terry, and I have a daughter. Her name is Emerson. She's 19 years old now. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when she was 11, and that was uh, sixth grade for her. So we've been at this about eight years. She has just started using uh, Dexcom in December of this past year and Omnipod just about three weeks ago. Oh, good. So, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's all because of you, Scott. Oh, stop. That's that's very. I'm happy to hear that. Now, if it doesn't go well, I don't want to. I don't. Please don't. I don't want to hear back from you. But uh, <laughs> no, I think I think it's. Um, you know, I I I think that anybody can obviously do whatever they want. I'm not into telling people what to do. But I I it's my opinion that you can make um, finer, simpler, easier adjustments when you have the technology at hand. So. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So she's diagnosed for eight years about yes and what was the beginning like because she was 11 that seems like a bad time to get diagnosed not that there's a good time but yes it's a really tough time and i imagine there is no good time to get diagnosed with it there's going to be um you know pros and cons with every age but it was kind of tough because we had just we we did live in ohio we got relocated for my husband's job to indiana she was already kind of a quiet, shy girl, mm-hmm. but she had she was just starting to come out of her shell playing sports. She's pretty athletic, um, and it was starting to go well. She really hadn't settled into a friend group yet, and then, bam, you know, this, this happened, and it was just, uh, we were actually, and I, I knew about diabetes, but, you know, Not never like ever this, thought yeah. that it would enter my life, you know. Um, of course, I found out that I do have relatives with type one and I didn't even know it. That's how unaware people, you know, are. It doesn't touch you personally. Mm-hmm. But um, 
so we had traveled to Pennsylvania all the way from Indiana to visit some family friends. And I noticed the thirst and the urination and, you know, take me back to like high school anatomy and physiology. You know, I thought diabetes, you know, but of course I've, you know, thinking I'm being paranoid. Well, it was happened to be Halloween weekend. And we were going to go trick-or-treating with a bunch of uh, cousins and things around their neighborhood. And it was like, she's going to people's houses and saying, trick-or-treat, can I use your bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, all of a sudden, I realized, you know, there's really something going on here. Of course, she's eating, you know, candy at the same time. And I'm just, it was pretty traumatic. So I almost took her to the ER, but I ended up leaving a little early or driving all the way back to Indiana. And I waited until the morning to take her into our pediatrician and it was a finger stick and go to the hospital basically. Yeah. And then it was four days, I think in the hospital. Right. Um, and it was, uh, it was pretty traumatic and it just made her like shut down, um, get very, very introverted, very, it was, it was a tough, it was a really rough start. So, and so then, just as she was sort of coming out of her shell, this, do you feel like it just pushed her way back deep into it? Yes. And, um, she was. She liked being a wallflower. She kind of did, and it was weird because the when she got back to class, they had made her a poster and were welcoming her back to class, and all that attention really unnerved her. And uh, I don't know. It was. Um, and then I think that the doctor really encouraging her to be um, kind of self sufficient pretty pretty quickly. And to me, I was kind of like. I'm a, I'm a, I have to try not to be a helicopter mom. Okay. <laughs> That's just my style. And so I really had to pull back and, you know, just like let her go and take charge. And at first that was kind of a cool thing, but then it ended up starting to turn into a fight between us. So I kind of wish in the beginning that I would have just, she didn't have any say that I would just said like, we are totally going to take care of this. You don't, there's nothing expected of you right now besides settling into this is, you know, this is what we're going to be dealing with. Right. And, you know, we're a team. And I kind of feel like we pushed her out there a little bit soon. So I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested in what you just said there. So the doctor said, hey, let her do it on her own. You thought, OK, we'll try that. But then you said there was a conflict between you because you left her alone. And was that conflict that she felt abandoned or I don't know? It was like, OK, so um I would say, okay, this is, you know, this is what you're going to be eating. This is how many carbs are in it. Um, What's your number? And she would have already started eating and saying, oh, I forgot to test. You know, or like, just like all of those where she just wasn't taking care of it. Ah, so, so, so you were letting her do it, but she wasn't doing it. And then, and then she felt like, look, I'm, they've told me to take care of this. The way I'm taking care of it is by ignoring it. And now you're coming in and trying to tell me what to do. Exactly. Yeah, okay. It was, um, it was, it was really tough and it turned into a lot of fighting yeah. and I mean, not like fighting. I mean, we're talking about a, a preteen here mm-hmm. and it was, yeah, I was, um, I really got tired quick of our relationship revolving around diabetes and so did she. Yeah. <laughs> and so your hindsight tells you that maybe she was still young enough that if it would have just been like, Hey, we, mom and I, you know, dad and I have this, um, all you need to do right now is just get as comfortable with it as you can. We're going to figure the whole thing out and then we'll pass it off to you slowly. You're yes. in your, in your heart, you're, you're thinking that may have gone better. Yes. Yeah. And I was kind of blindly following what our, we were just going to our pediatrician's office. They had a nurse practitioner there that was the, the, you know, supposed 
specialist. And uh, that's kind of what they were encouraging. But I mean, I just felt like I was drowning at, at the beginning that, um, and, and at the time, I didn't even know that there was any kind of online community. And I think it was probably in its infancy anyhow. Right. But I wish that I would have had something like what we're doing here to tap into at the time, because I felt so alone. And I just really didn't know how to handle her. And so, yeah, in hindsight, that's what I would have done. I would have said, you just be a kid. You let us worry about this and whatever. And also, I've gotten to know her personality much more than I ever would have, I think, had we not been through this together. So looking back at her personality, looking back at my personality, our family dynamics, and I think it would have been better the other way. It would have been better to to have done that and um, make her feel loved for who she was. Yeah. When you reached out to me, you said something that and you're, you're you're bringing it up now, and and so when when I think of what this podcast, you know, what my goal for it is, I say all the time. I say a lot of stuff. I talk a lot, but my my in my heart, when I think about it, my goal is to speed people's process up, like so that you're not stuck in that part for long. Yeah, but I was there you, a long time. <laughs> but in your email, you still say um, that you feel that you feel like lonely still in in all this and you're eight years into it. Do you still feel like that? Like separated from. Um, I, I would say yes. I, I, in a way I still feel lonely because it's really something when you could tell, you know, you tell somebody at work, Oh gosh, I didn't sleep much last night. My, my daughter's blood sugar was crashing. Not that you really get into that much detail, but it's a lonely feel to know feeling to know that you're dragging at work and you can't, you can't even tell anybody because there's nobody that's even going to understand it. Um, it's, you know, a lonely feeling when your family doesn't get it, you know, they just still live it day in and day out. There's a cumulative effect there that you just can't, you know, but I feel so much more empowered from tapping into the online community, from getting a confidence for advocating for my daughter, for treating the whole person, which Nobody ever, that's something I had to discover on my own. You know, it's just, it's numbers and compliance is, is all they throw at you. And you're like, you know, there's a disconnect here, Yeah. you know, so that's, I, I'm feeling better, but yes, I, I do feel lonely. Sorry. You most of it's not that, and no one addresses it whatsoever. Just yeah. no, it never gets brought up. You'll at some point, you know, cause they're all out of order, but you'll hear somebody talking about, uh, having diabolemia. And and how the the you know her relationship with food when she was a kid and her mom how it all led to that and no one ever helped her with it you, you know yeah, that, that's it's it's really terrible and you can it's like you could get into those areas if you apply the wrong pressure right to, you know it's 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 a very very touchy um, and I kind of realized that I could really do get off in the wrong direction for the rest of her life, you know, if I'm not really careful. So I really had to start digging and, you know, finding things out. But I would have to say my growth has been exponential since I discovered podcasts and sugar surfing and just Good for you. <laughs> all well, kinds of stuff. Well, you know, I, I want to congratulate you really. And it always sounds sort of weird, like you don't need my congratulations, but to, to, to realize that that if you applied pressure, like you said, in the wrong areas, that you could really shove your your daughter Emerson down a really bad path that you might not get back from. I do hear some people sometimes say, well, you know, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but it's my personality. So what am I going to do? You, you know, like, like what do you, what you yeah. should do is you should wrestle your own, you know, you know, your better self should wrestle with your demons and, and stop yourself from doing something that you recognize is probably going to cause your kid a problem. 
and, yeah. and, and stop yourself. And if it's going to cause someone a problem, <clears throat> let it cause you a problem, not them. You, you, you know, yeah. and sort of take yeah. that bullet, I'm I guess. <laughs> it's like, I you. Said, you know, I'm a mother of four and, you know, I'm older than you, Scott. So, hey, you're, you're no one's older than me, than Terry. I'm very old. <laughs> so no, I'm, I think I'm 51. So yeah. I, I, all your, your corny jokes about Ross Perot and uh, I don't know some of your other funny ones I've heard you talk about. It's like, I get them. I'm oh, older than you. <laughs> that's sweet. I appreciate that. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to dig deeper into my bag of completely uh, <laughs> forgotten knowledge then one day. Yeah, so here's an analogy for you. Do you remember in The Wizard of Oz when Dorothy leaves Kansas and she all of a sudden she's in Technicolor? Mm -hmm. That's how I feel since I've tapped into the uh, the online community and I've heard so many other stories. People speak my language. It's just like everything has just taken on a new life. And, and I, I have so much more hope. And so does my daughter. Oh, Terry, it's, I just got a little awesome. filled up there. I, and, I, <laughs> and I almost cried. And plus, not only that, but you just named the episode, right? Oh yeah, the Wizard of Oz. Terry's not in Kansas. No, Terry's not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Done. How about diabetes and Technicolor? Oh my God, let me. I don't know. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm. Terry's not in Kansas anymore. It's definitely going to be the episode. My, I was brainstorming. I'm trying to put an episode together where I talk with an adult type one female about, um, about ovulation and their period and all that stuff. And and uh -huh. I said to my wife this morning while she was getting on the shower, I said, I think I'm going to call that episode. Um, Aunt Flo talks about something <laughs> oh very best episode ever period something like that I'm like I'm gonna jam oh every God. crazy euphemism I can think of into the title so um, but you know what so seriously I, I got filled up not for you know I, I don't want people to misunderstand I don't feel like I brought you to the place that you're talking about in the color I, just that you found that it all made me fill up like I was just like I'm so happy for you that because eight years is a long time to be walking around on Dorothy's farm in, in black and white. You, you know what I mean? Like you could even yeah. see in the movie, they got the heck out of there in like eight minutes. They were like, Hey, look, we live on a farm now off to something fun. Um, so, and so just great for you. But the, the path that you started down with Emerson being in control of her decisions and then not really for the lack of a better word, doing much with that control. How did that end up? affecting her um you know and and her long range like her last eight years with type one because i know that's really what you want to talk about so um well i have those kind of like epiphany moments that or all of a sudden i realize something that kind of like got me you know off into a different direction and i remember one of them was she would just come home every day from school crying mm -hmm. and no reason she just would curl up on a ball on the couch and cry. Then she'd fall asleep. Sometimes she wouldn't be able to sleep at night. I was struggling to get her in bed. Sometimes she just would hide in her room. It was just like those kinds of things going on. And I, and, and school, her performance, she's a, she's a very bright girl. She's an athletic girl and she wanted nothing to do with athletics anymore. She wanted, she wasn't trying. She was actually transitioning but she got diagnosed in the fall of sixth grade. And then she went into seventh grade, which was a new school. And she just wasn't even trying academically or anything. She couldn't focus in school. It was, and, and her teachers were like, she just isn't paying attention to anything. Um, so I tried ADD medicine and convinced that, you know, I just, I just started throwing stuff at it. Like what, you know, what's going on here. 
And that helped her A1C. That gave her a little more focus. Now, I don't know if it helped with her focus to be able to manage her diabetes better or if it, she just wasn't binging. Because I think that was another thing we were dealing with. I would find just piles of wrappers from candy in her room. I had There's a lot of things I couldn't keep in the house anymore because she would eat them all. Because I think she had this like constant idea that she was deprived. And then... Uh, all of a sudden I realized it just, it was a kind of a long path. We tried some antidepressants and nothing was working. I realized that she had all the classic symptoms of hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. She was of course being tested, you know, annually for, you know, her like um, thyroid panels and those, but found out she had Hashimoto. She actually developed a goiter and um, they kept on saying, well, her, her levels are normal. I'm like, her levels are normal but not for her. Let's right. just try it and let's just see. And it was an immediate thing. And we probably were three years in before we knew that. And I wish that I would have known that earlier because the, the lack of focus, the, the fatigue, um, the, the depression, it was, I think. And then another thing I also found out is in my looking all these things up is that children with diabetes are like 25% more likely to develop depression. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's even accurate. That was just happened to be the first statistic I ran into. And right. I remember going into the pediatrician's office and talking to that nurse practitioner and saying, nobody ever warned me that depression is so prevalent with, with um, the, the diagnosis. Nobody talked about the emotional side. And that same nurse practitioner, when we would go in and we would get the reports of an A1C of 10, 11, she would actually act like she was mad at my daughter. Yeah. I've and my daughter would go in that. there and just curl up in a ball on the table and not even want to confront her diabetes. So it just it and so then this diagnosis of the Hashimoto's propelled us to go to a specialist, um, an endocrinologist that was a pediatric endocrinologist in Indianapolis. And that's when I realized there's just so much more that we could be doing here. And we started to treat the whole person. Let's just take a moment now to thank our sponsors. First, let me tell you about the Dexcom CGM. You know, my daughter Arden is 12 years old and she never sits still. Between school, softball, and running around with her friends, she is always doing something. But even with her busy schedule, keeping track of her glucose levels couldn't be simpler. The Dexcom share and follow features allow us to be alerted whenever Arden's blood glucose level leaves the range that we set. The sense of calm and fantastic blood glucose control that the Dexcom CGM system helps to bring into our lives is invaluable. So what are you waiting for? Go to www.dexcom.com forward slash juice box or click on the links in your show notes to find out more. Now we're going to talk about Omnipod. Spring is in the air. I saw some crocuses coming up the other day. Some Easter flowers are popping up, a little hyacinths coming up in people's yards and things like that. It's time, baby. It's going to get warm. Now, I know this big snowstorm just came through, but it's going to get warm soon. What do you want more than anything else this summer? Ease of use. No tubes. You want your insulin pump to not be getting in your way while you're living your life. Trust me, you can take that Omnipod and hide it almost anywhere. You know, if you're thinking about a bathing suit or, you know, just shorts, yeah, little bippy top, which I think is probably a saying from the 40s, but nevertheless, 
<laughs> the, the Omnipod's little, it's tiny, and it's easy to put it in places that, you know, kind of go along with your summer wardrobe. Now there's way better reasons to have an insulin pump, and there's even more better reasons, more better reasons, not English, but still true, to have an Omnipod. You know, we talk about on the podcast all the time, the fine adjustments that you can make and, and how those adjustments are really the key to keeping your A1C where you want, your blood sugar where you want, keeping you off the, you know, the diabetes roller coaster, being able to make these small bolus and basal adjustments. But just as important as living with the technical aspect of diabetes, vanity's not, not important. I just don't want tubing all over me. I don't want it hanging out of my clothes and running through my shirt and yeah, it's like sweaty and then it's stuck to you and uh, seems like a problem. You know where that doesn't exist? With the Omnipod. You're gonna need to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Omnipod's gonna send you a free, no obligation demo pod. You can stick it on and kind of see where things go and how it would work and you can see that what I'm telling you is absolutely true. Okay, let's re-go over this. Re-go over is new English. A lot of new English today. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box or Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You're going to get all the information you need about these two wonderful pieces of diabetes technology. And you're going to be supporting the juice box podcast when you do it. Support yourself, support the podcast. Check out the links. As you started to tell that story, like part of me thought you were going to say, well, what happened was her blood sugar was so variable and high and low and et cetera, that it turned out that she was having trouble concentrating. And then you talked about the ADHD and you said, oh, well, maybe she just had ADHD. And then when you got to the Hashimoto's, I was like, wow, I didn't see that coming at all. And, you know, <laughs> so first of all, earlier when we started, you said you weren't going to be very good at this. You're very wrong about that. You're excellent at this. And you're telling a great story and good for you. Like seriously, because you were like, oh, you know, this isn't my wheelhouse. I'm not going to be good. You are, you are chatty and you're telling a great story. You're doing fantastic. Oh, oh I, yeah, it's nerves. No, 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 it's good. It's working. Stick with it. All right. Uh, so, so, okay. So do you think, just to go backwards to pick through it, do you think variable blood sugars had anything to do with her inability to or do you really? Uh, in hindsight, look- yes, but okay. I also that was another thing that I just you know it was a steep steep learning curve there because yeah. I did not realize how much blood sugar variability affects moods. I don't think I there's just so much to learn all at once, and it sinks in very slowly for me. I guess no, 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 and it's so a lot. It's, it's all related, and um, we were just like I said, we were just throwing things at it, and then I just remember. I, this is really awful. I mean, I, I look back on this too, and I and my daughter and I have a very good relationship now, and we laugh at each other because you got to laugh at stuff. I mean, yeah. you just you just have to. And I don't think we'd be as close as we are now had we not gone through all this. But at some point, I realized I didn't really know her. I mean, I was the mother. I I you know, I mean, I kept her healthy. I kept her going to school. I was you know, I mean, I'm the mother. But did I really know my kid? And it that was kind of a blessing in disguise to realize, no, I really need to get to know this kid and how this is affecting her. And I need to stop talking about diabetes, but that didn't come about until I had, um, remember just out of desperation, I got on Google images and I looked up gangrene and, and amputations and, you know, I mean, pictures and I showed them to her and I said, is this what you want? And it's totally, I mean, totally shut her down. After that, it was like, I couldn't even reach her anymore. 
And it was wrong. It was the wrong thing to do. And maybe some kids are motivated by that. Probably not. But um, I, I it think was the, I think one the of common, my low moments. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the common I you know theory would be that that's not valuable. But no. I can also I can also see how you the could desperation. I can also see how you could just you go through the checklist in your head and you're like I did this I did this I did this I did this I tried uh-huh. this and nothing's like that's now. the way that I am I'm right. a very task oriented person I do this task I expect this result and I just it wasn't getting me anywhere I had to get more relational right. and that's what it ended up being and it's good for me because I probably needed that and it, it sounds and like you've grown better. a lot through this honestly I know I, I tell yeah. actually I have four kids my my oldest now Emerson is my second oldest I have two girls I have one that's actually about to graduate from college mm-hmm. I have Emerson who's going to be entering college and then i have um two boys they're 14 and 12 terry if so, you could talk a couple of those kids into getting another disease you might turn into a zen master <laughs> in like another decade right i know I, I, exactly <laughs> but um anyhow i i just uh tell my kids you know my because my oldest one you know, she was a strong-willed kid no no issues there but just strong-willed oh yeah. my gosh and i remember i told her one time i said you raised me as much as i raised you and that's the way I feel about all my kids. Right. No, um, it's an experience that really brings you. Yeah. I mean, if you're paying attention, if you're parenting and paying attention to what's happening to you, it 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 should be transformational. You, you know. Yes. Yes. It's very much. It's very much uh, going back and forth. So yeah. Then um, so at that point, I realized I really lost her, and and I, I don't think that it really sunk in until we were cruising along, thinking everything is okay. And then I realized that she had been lying to me about numbers for I don't know how long. I mean, she told me her number and it was funny because we were just reminiscing about this. I guess we were at a rest stop getting traveling because we our families are kind of spread apart. We, mm-hmm. we travel a lot. So we were stopping at like at McDonald's or something like that. And she tested her blood sugar. Well, she didn't test her blood sugar. She just told me she did. And her brother's like, she didn't test. <laughs> so that I look at the meter and realize she's been giving me wrong numbers the whole time. If she was 338, she was telling me 138. You know what I mean? And I saw what she was doing. And then I, I realized that there's so much more going on here than diabetes. And at that point, I decided to be very intentional about the relationship, about getting to know my child, about um, just really digging into how this is affecting her. And... Um, I got her involved with like a diabetes team through adolescent medicine and endocrinology and just it, anyway, it just, um, it sent us off into a different direction. And I had to, I had to kind of like sit back and not be tempted to say, what's your blood sugar? Why didn't you treat, you know, I mean, all those things that I kind of had gotten into the habit of doing. And I stopped asking. I just was kind of like on the fringe, making sure she was safe, but I was really trying to, and that was a very, very hard thing to do. And um, just really worked on that relationship. I have two, so really, I have two questions real quick. Okay. So um, where, if you're comfortable saying, you know, at this point when she's in the car pretending to test and how far into it years-wise are you? And, um, probably four years in. And and what are her A1Cs like and and general, like that sort of stuff? Like where was your indication of what was like? You were seeing one thing. She was saying, hey, my blood sugar is 138. But what were you seeing at the end, though? Um, I think that probably the lying had been going on in between endos. So, like, she had initially, I think, her A1C started off around 10, like, around the time of diagnosis. And then we had gotten it back down to the best control she had was when she was on that ADHD medicine, which was around her A1Cs were in the fives then. Okay. And that was after honeymoon. And then we kind of scaled back up into the nine range. And... 
then I think our highest was probably 12.6. So what do you think got you from five to nine? Um, it was me thinking she was managing it more. It was the fight, the fighting. It was just really hard to pick my battles. I just really was floundering. Mm -hmm. Um, it's kind of a blur. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I was going to say in fairness to you, I was not much of a human being in the first few years of my daughter's diagnosis. And I think a lot of us aren't, you know, it's, uh, you know, I always think of it as just, it feels like that somebody just hits you in the side of the head with a shovel, you know, and then about the time you think you're like, Oh, you know what? I think my head's not ringing anymore and I can see straight. Like someone comes from the other side and hits you again, you know, and you're just like, Whoa, okay, never mind. Hold on. I'm I'm not okay. She's one of four too, you know, and I have one that's like in the throes of full blown teenager years at the time too. And it's just like, and my husband is actually, you know, I'm the heavy at home. I'm the one that really, he wasn't very involved. (laughs) (laughs) He's a a great guy, but it's just kind of like, but he's the good cop. uh, he just he just was kind of like he knows I'm a taskmaster, so he was kind of like, uh, "You got this," you, you know. What I mean, even though I'm like inside, I'm screaming. Yeah. But I don't think I would have let him get involved anyway. But I I probably needed somebody to support me more than to actually jump in and get involved, right? Because I was really like running on fumes. I think by that point, you just said something so important for a young man to understand as they're entering into marriage. You just very offhandedly said, I don't think I'd let him get involved anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Always one don't that, try that, to backpedal, Terry. <laughs> no, no, there's certain things like, I, you know, I mean, there's like, I love for my husband to do some things around the house, but there's some things that I just, you know, that, that's kind of my thing, you know, yeah, but know. Um, <laughs> diabetes was something I wanted to manage, but I, I definitely wish that he would have backed me up more as far as just being there for me because I was, I was, yeah. I was tired and stuff. Yeah. Um, but that was, I, before CGM, I mean, at night I wake up one time in the middle of the night and, you know, and see if she was breathing, you know, I mean, that was, I didn't, unless we were changing Atlantis dose, I didn't test her in the middle of the night. So looking back on that, I just think, Oh my gosh, how lucky or blessed we are that we, we never had, we, well, we had two DKA episodes. We did have two of those. Um, and one of them, they and they were not my fault, but is it anybody's fault, really? Um, no, listen, I mean, <laughs> assigning fault to something like that is ridiculous. We, you know, our, is. Arden, a, a handful of years ago, you know, we woke up on a Saturday morning. It was like, it was like one of those things that there was nothing to do on Saturday. We were going to sleep in a little bit. Everyone was excited to sleep till like 930, you know, and, and, um, and she wakes up and she is not well and we look and our blood sugar is really high and you know we had changed a pump the night before and the cannula got bent and she just wasn't getting insulin and so we caught it enough time that we were able to to um hydrate her and bolus you know give her you know injection of an what felt at the time like an insane amount of insulin and she was sick to her stomach and i said look here's the thing if i think if you can drink this water the insulin's going to work. And in a couple of hours, you're going to be okay. I said, but if I can't, I know you're nauseous, but if you can't drink this water and we got to go to the hospital, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and it was, don't get me wrong. This was very early on the first few hours of this happening. And, um, and she looked at me and she's just like, if I drink the water, I don't have to go to the hospital. I was like, yep. And I just watched her just push right through feeling nauseous and pounded it right down. And she was like, I'll do another one. And I was like, Oh wow. She really doesn't want to go to the hospital. Um, And and so, and she vomited a little bit. And then a couple hours later we cleared her ketones and she was okay. 
Yeah. But yeah. But to say that I was at fault or that the cannula was at fault or that that's ridiculous. You, you know what I mean? Like sometimes stuff just goes wrong. You, you yeah. Know. And that's how I felt for years. I think that that guilt was just such a burden. And I, I guess I felt guilt. I don't know. It, it was totally crazy to feel mm. that. And then I also think I was heaping that on my daughter. She didn't ask for this. Right. She's, you know, I mean, she's. It, well, so, Terry, what I'm struck by right now while you're talking and is that you're a, you're a reasonable person. I've never spoken to you before. We've emailed back and forth, but you're a reasonable, intelligent person. I can hear that talking to you. Everybody listening can hear that. And yet you were completely spun around nine different ways by this. And, oh, and, and, yeah. and you're an, a capable person raising four kids. And, uh, and then, and you know, so you're a strong lady, you're doing a lot of good things. And then this thing comes along. This thing is so much bigger and stronger than a regular life tornado. You, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. a, a twister, I should have said, because of the, oh, where was I with that, <laughs> Terry? Damn, I dropped the ball there. But, but, um, but you know, like this thing is just, you know, if, when you, you know, when you get a note in the mail that you didn't pay your water bill or, you know, you have taxes owed that you didn't realize, or any of those things in life that make you go like, oh, like your kid gets a detention at school and you're like, I thought they didn't do stuff like that. All those little things that happen in life over and over again, this diabetes is, it's all those things and way more all packed into one like super punch, you know, that just, it's hard oh, yeah. to rebound from. And, and it, it's, and then on top of all that, you're left feeling guilty about it, which is just terrible. And you, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and everybody goes through that. I went through that. My wife used to say all the time because there's um, different like autoimmune issues on my wife's side of the family. She's like, this is my fault. I'm like, how is it your fault? Like, it's not, you know what I mean? Like fault's a weird thing. Like, you know, if you're, if you're, if your teeth aren't straight and your kids have not straight teeth, like, do you really think of that as your fault? You, you, you know what I mean? Or just how things yeah. are, but you do, you know, it just comes with, I guess it comes with parenting. It comes guilt. with, yeah. <laughs> loving another human being that you made, um, yeah, or sometimes yeah. didn't make, by the way, I'm adopted. I've seen my mom feel this bad about things, you know? And so. And having a child, this is a, an analogy that I read actually, I think before I had my first child was having the decision of having a child is like letting your heart walk around outside of your body. And that's exactly what it feels like. And when you have something as uncontrollable as diabetes, it's just, it's, it just, it blew me out of the water and um, there's nobody else that understands it. But now I I get on these like Facebook pages and I, I I see these moms, they're they're still in the hospital with their diagnosed child that just got diagnosed within, you know, the last couple of days. And they're tapping into the community right away. And I'm on there going, you're starting out great. You know, I'm trying to encourage all these people because, gosh, I wish I had that at the beginning. I just remember laying in that hospital room with my daughter and crying in the bed next to her, being like, how am I going to deal? Mm-hmm. And, um, and this is really funny. Another thing, my husband had a mild heart attack at the exact same time that that happened. He was in the hospital two floors above us. Just trying to get out of helping with the diabetes. That's all that was. <laughs> so, so I'm going upstairs and, and to the, you know, visit him while he's hooked up to all this telemetry. And then I'm coming downstairs and I'm laying with my daughter and just going back and forth. And it, it turned out it was, they thought he had a mild heart attack. It turned out his cardiac enzymes were elevated for some other strange reason, mm-hmm. but it just happened to happen at the same time. Terry, you're lucky you're not a serial killer. What do you think of that? <laughs> Kelly, I, I, yeah, it's, it's amazing. But the, it's something that's really interesting is my, um, and this is like that perception of diabetes that I really 
really realizes out there in the community that I, this is another reason I really like getting involved in the community is that perception because my brother, he's actually one year older than me. My mom had like these kids, boom, 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 you know, year after year. Um, so they call those so Irish brother, twins, I think. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually Irish, but there you go. My, uh, <laughs> my brother got diagnosed when he was, I think, 32. And I already had my two girls. My um, daughter Emerson was probably a year old at the time, maybe when he got diagnosed, but he got diagnosed with diabetes and we all assumed it was type two. And, I, and my brother wasn't overweight. He smoked and he drank and we were kind of like, oh, you must have a bad lifestyle or whatever, you know. Yeah. And I feel kind of bad how we reacted to that. And then within that first year, he was insulin dependent. And we were all kind of treating him like, I think, like, you know, you, you just didn't take care of yourself and whatever. Well, it turns out it was type one. I didn't find out that he had type one. That was just a honeymoon phase. They thought that, you know, he was going to control it with diet and exercise, but he was just honeymooning. And I didn't find that out until my daughter had got diagnosed and I bothered to listen to my brother's story. That's how quick I was to judge him. Mm -hmm. And then I also found out that my great grandfather, who was a Polish immigrant and the other side of my family, um, he died of diabetic coma. I never knew that until I looked at his death certificate. He had diabetes, but that was, you know, I mean, he was a Polish immigrant. This would have been in the 40s, I think. They didn't really have access to what we have access to now. So it's just... His I didn't blood sugar got high and he, and he slipped into a coma and that's how he passed. Early in his life? Um, yeah, he was like 44 years old. Yeah, I'm calling that early because I'm 45. So, uh, yeah, wow. So, you know, it's interesting now you're sort of... Did you ever talk to your brother afterwards and apologize to him? Um, I have, um, it, it's, it's, and it's, it's kind of a rough thing because it seems like he did distance himself after his diagnosis. And, and so now I, of course, I, I'm always posting stuff on you know social media about, uh, diabetes now just to try to raise awareness and things like that. And, and you know, it's not about me. It's about just everybody understanding more because I, I want to reach out to people like, you know, as ignorant as I was back there to say, you know, there's a lot more to this um, than meets the eye. And so I think my my brother probably knows um, it's a connecting point, but we don't live in the same state. We have, haven't. What's interesting, time, too, you so. said he, he pulled back and that's what Emerson did, too. You know, yes, yes. Yeah. And, and her personality is is a lot like his mm -hmm. very introspective. She's very introspective. He's very artistic. She's very artistic. You know, that introspective, artistic kind of personality. They're tough nuts. <laughs> <laughs> they got their so. own thoughts. They're not interested in sharing them with you. Uh, so, yeah. I, you know, wow, you said you are great, by the way. Like, And I want to really give you credit right here because you said early on that you wanted to be as open as you could be, that you thought it was going to be valuable to people. And, and I definitely, definitely think that's the way this is going. Um, and there's stuff in here you've said that I can, I can understand if you would have censored yourself but you know a lot of credit to you I, I, you know for for sharing all this stuff so thank you very much yeah seriously it's a big deal um you know i you were talking earlier about how now you see people reaching out so early on i'm really struck by that too like you know for as long as i can remember when someone would email me and say hey i just found your blog and my son or daughter was just diagnosed or i was just diagnosed my first sentence back is usually like, congratulations for reaching out and finding a community this early. I wish I would have done this. This is going to end up being very beneficial for you. Um, oh, yeah. You know. And what's amazing about that is going to those endo appointments, you know, every quarter for, you know, years on years, none of them ever 
mentioned it. They've never mentioned books. They've never mentioned the community. Nothing. Yeah. That's very cold, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the other thing is, the other side of this is, is I've spoken to someone recently, and you'll forgive me, I am up to 100 episodes. I'm, uh, they flow together for me a little bit, but I spoke to someone recently who was in the hospital advocating for a Dexcom CGM because of what they were reading online and had no connection to type 1 diabetes three days before that. You you know, and, and that to me is, spectacular like you know it really is because it doesn't give because i think emerson's story is valuable in a number of different reasons one of them you're not going to bring up or maybe you would have and i didn't give you a chance but is that you talked earlier about like if i we would have just set this up as like this is how this is maybe Mm -hmm. it would have followed that path and i think that about the technology sometimes too like you know sometimes you hear people say well you know i don't need a pump um, I, I'm doing fine without it, which is probably true, but you know, I don't need a Dexcom, you know, I've never had a seizure or blah, blah, blah. But then I think people think of Dexcom as, for instance, you know, like I say it all the time. I think it's an undervalued tool that people consider to be just like a don't die at night alarm. And if you think of it that way, if you have one right now and you think of it that way, or you're considering getting one and think that that's not valuable for you, that is so undervaluing what it does. And, and the idea that, Maybe your daughter would have had an experience where she said, oh, look, here's my blood sugar. It's moving up a little bit now. I could push this button and give myself a little more insulin. Maybe that would have seemed easier to her. You, you, oh, you, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like maybe maybe that would – because that guessing, that blind guessing, like where's my blood sugar going now? What's it doing now? And then you test and you get this number that feels like it's slapping you in the face. It, I don't know how an 11-year-old would not have been overwhelmed by that. I was overwhelmed by that feeling before my daughter had all this stuff. And so Yeah, but then again, it, I mean, if you throw too much information and too much technology at somebody, it, 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 I don't know that I could have handled all that at once. I'm not really sure. I mean, if that would have been I hear what you're saying, I do, because that is the that is the mirror of that argument right there. Right. Give it to me up front so I know what's going on. Then some people are going to come in and say, well, my personality doesn't lend to that. You may have overwhelmed me with this. But here's what I would say to you to that. You were overwhelmed anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Stuff didn't exactly go great. <laughs> so at least well, if it's not going to go great, let's give you a fighting chance while it's not going great. The CGM, I do wish that we would have started that a lot earlier. And nobody really pushed for that, which I was really surprised. Um <laughs> I, I, but like it's when I remember when we were, you know, getting over, you know, in, in the 10 range of um, A1Cs and I'm like, it just this, not, this isn't working for us. And I asked about an insulin pump and the, this nurse practitioner we were seeing, she said, that's like handing her a loaded gun. That was what her response was when I said that. And then busted at that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, that's thinking. when I realized how dangerous this was. And my daughter actually told me at one point, I feel like giving myself this whole pen of insulin. And I remember, you know, talking to her about her future, you know, maybe thinking about college or whatever at one point in high school. And she said, Mom, I don't have a future. And that's how she was processing life. Yeah. And we, um, and okay, then fast forward to today. Last night, I was telling her I'm going to be on the Juice Box podcast. (laughs) And she was like, she was just so thrilled. She's like, you're going to be talking about me. And she was this excited. And she's like, Mom. I just want you to say that I feel so much better. Just tell tell them, you know, how much or tell the community how much it's helped. Even though she she's very shy, she won't tap into the community herself. Because I, I did I, I did ask you at some point if you thought she would do this too, right? And you said 
No. Well, no. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Still right? no. All right. Yeah, well, but, well, hey, listen, Emerson, I think you're listening. So what's up? I'm proud of you. Like, this is really yeah. cool. And then so we're going to spend the last like we're going to spend like the last 20 minutes here talking about that. Like we're going to fast forward to that moment where it started to come together for her. So tell me what got her into the way she thinks now and how things have been going. OK, well, what happened was I was all of a sudden listening to your podcast because I have some time at work where I'm doing kind of busy work and stuff. And I'll put my, my earbuds in and I'll listen to podcasts. And I was listening to yours and I happened and I have a long so I was listening to I remember it was Jesse was here and I I forget Jesse's mom's name, but I was listening to the story and I started looking up, um, kind of realized that there's a relationship if you if you live with a constant high A1C and your blood sugars run high, how th- that threshold of DKA is actually very short, you know, or does that make sense? But um, you know what I mean? It's like jumping into DKA. Is, is it, it's quicker than if you, you know, you're in control and whatever. So um, I just was starting to really think that we're kind of playing with fire here. Um, it just, I, all of a sudden, it was just a very sobering moment to hear. So it's, so it's her funny. story and, and I don't know the whole. No, know, no, no. I was going to say, so that, even but, though she wasn't completely, um, she didn't, the, the actual details of Jesse's passing, she's, she's very kind of private with. And right, if you exactly. met her in person, she would she would be happy to share them with you. But she's still, she's still a little private with them. But it was the idea, right? Like that the idea. idea of what we're what we're what we're dealing with here. Right. All and of a sudden, it got me to be to take everything out. It's just just to. It's not like I didn't realize what I was dealing with, but it just it was like that aha moment, and I remember just thinking, I'm going to do because sometimes, like I I don't know what I heard when I listened to Jesse was here was that is 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 awful you know is is it is to lose a child um if you know that you've used everything that you could have you know what i mean like i don't know i mean i just kind of felt like what would i feel like if that happens to me and i know that i just wasn't all there i wasn't all in so so and i want to i want to clarify what you said there for a second because i think i think because i, I hear you struggling because it's emotional but um if your daughter should pass away and you put every ounce of who you were and into it and did everything you thought you could do and found and reached out and found all the information that you could find and that still happened, you feel like at least at that moment you wouldn't be able to look back and go, oh my gosh, I should have tried this. You did not want to live, you, you didn't want to live anymore not trying everything. Is that the yes. idea? I think that's exactly. And so like I kind of, and so then you take your loss and you try to reach out to others, you know, with your story to help other people heal and things like that. And I think that if if I had to go through that, I would definitely, you know, reach out and, you know, whatever. Um, and But I think that if if I felt bad about that guilt, that parent guilt that you always feel anyhow, but that I would just implode is what would happen to me. I would be no, no use to anybody else ever. So I just, so exactly what happened is I, I, she never wanted to try a pump. She never wanted to try a Dexcom. She wanted to keep her head in the sand. And I remember we finally did a trial of Dexcom and I realized how high she was really running. And I woke her up in the morning and I said, we're going to get ahead of this. I think it was after listening to your bold with insulin podcast or mm-hmm. something like that. And I'm like, we're going to get ahead of this today. We're going to try to, um, you know, whatever. And she just totally fought me. 
And it was a knockdown drag out fight that morning. And I remember we were supposed to go visiting actually for, for Christmas. We were supposed to travel out of state and visiting for Christmas. And, and I just was like, it stops here. And I, and back and forth, back and forth fighting. And I'm not going to do it. Yes, you are going to do it. And I actually told her that if anything ever happens to you, I need to know that I did everything, absolutely everything that I possibly could to help you because I will never, ever be able to live with myself. For something like that, I said that to her and I started crying. And that's not a typical thing. And then I also, um, I just, another thing I was is like, I'm not going to enable you to sit here with your head in the sand. And I just said, you're going to move out into a group home or you're going to go and you're going to be on your own. And you're going to somehow she had to take ownership of it. And I didn't know how to do it, but I knew that it was time for tough love. And that's the tough thing is like, if you have somebody that you have to do the tough love thing with, it's not life or death a lot of times, but with diabetes it is. And that is a really, really tough line to walk. And I did it. And we are so much better. It came out okay. But at the time when I was entering into this, like, you know, it's like you, you want to, you know, it's not about winning the battles, about winning the war. I feel like I'm winning the war now. That was that one, the battle of the bulge kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was just like, that was the breaking. So what I'm, what I'm hearing, light came on. yeah, what I'm hearing, and maybe I'm wrong, but what I'm hearing is that at a moment when Emerson could not care about herself, she still cared about you. Yes. And I did. And I broke down and she saw, she saw what it was. And, um, you know, so it's like me being real in front of my daughter and me letting her be real in front of me and telling her diabetes sucks. And let's today, let's punch diabetes in the face. And just like, you know, I mean, I just really get like with her about hating it some days and let her just vent and let her just have bad days and stay in bed and cry if you want, you know. Whatever. And I think that for a long time, I just wanted her to do what I was doing is like be the taskmaster, put on a brave face. Nobody cares. And she, she was too young to, you know what I mean? You know, that uh, sure. kind of thing that you get where nobody really realizes what's going on behind your brave face. And, and she couldn't do that. And uh, I think I expected it. <laughs> yeah. Well, even when she was too young. And now she's. Yeah. And so this is all very recent. Like even as you're talking about it, I, I realize that I wasn't as aware of how recent it is. So you're talking about a few months ago, right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, 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 yeah, it's very, very raw. Um, it's very, um, very, it's, a, it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really, it's fresh. right. It's very, fresh. it's just, and, and so what's the difference been now? What is, I mean, you, as far as her management goes, is, is she just, suddenly on top of it is she not as burdened by it as she once was does she maybe see a different goal now because you know she said she felt like she didn't have a future but does she feel like at the moment she's defending your future or does she want to be a good daughter like i don't know like where her motivation's coming from at the moment um it's it's definitely something that's it's 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 a process um but i would say currently right now she's feeling hopeful for her future Apprehensive, yes, but hopeful. Um, she is looking at going to college next year. She's in the process of training a diabetes alert dog because she does have hypoglycemia and awareness. She'll be in the 40s and not know it. Um, and the only reason we know that now is because of Dexcom. And who knows how long that was happening. But she was so afraid of Lowe's for so long. I think that's why she ran high all the time. 
because she hates that low feeling. Yeah, I think the fear of the insulin is what scares most people into doing the wrong thing, you know, so and understandable, but I think that's where it sort of stems from. So, um, so she's got, she's wearing an Omnipod now and she's got a Dexcom yeah. on and she, what's her goals? Where is she trying to keep her blood sugar? Um, well, what we started, this is another thing that I got from you, Scott, was um, when you say, well, if I could keep my blood sugar here, I certainly can keep it here. So those lines on the Dexcom screen, I've narrowed them. So now we have them between 150 and 70. Oh, very and nice. she stays in there pretty good. Yep. Sometimes she's got a pretty consistent line. But what I'm doing now is if I see her running 162, and I know that sounds like, ugh, it's, it sounds high. No. But if I see 162 and I see that straight line, I compliment her on that straight line and say, look at that straight line. I don't say, well, it's 162, right. which is what it used to be. And I'd be like kind of doing that very gradual thing. Well, you know what? If we could keep that line there, I bet you we could keep it at 150. Yeah. And so we have over the last, what has it been, four months now? We've gotten that down. We've gotten that line flatter. We've, it's, um, I think we got her, uh, what do you call it? The variation with the, um, her variability. Standard she's not, she's, yeah, standard standard deviation. Right. I think we got that down um, to 40 now. And I think we got her average around 122, um, which translates to, I think like a 6.2 um, A1C. She was a 12 before I started listening to the podcast and tapping into community last fall. So this is pretty, you know, I'm so phenomenal. happy for, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I am. I'm, I don't know what people think of me when they're listening. I feel like I'm going to cry. I'm so happy for you. I don't, I don't know what to say. Um, it just. I just. You know. I don't. I, anything I could say at this moment would seem like a humble brag. So I can't really say anything. It just other than congratulations is really wonderful. You know. Yeah. It's really. It's really. You need to know what you're that you're doing this because it, you know. I mean, you. Somebody needs to. You know like tell you this because you're really onto something. But another thing is, is, you know, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, Oh, this is so-and-so, you know, or her son's A1Cs, you know, and I know we get too caught up in numbers and whatever, but it's like, everybody has it together on your show. It's either they're running this big, you know, nonprofit or they're running, you know, whatever. And then there's me. No, <laughs> Eight no. years into this, I still don't have this figured out. And I'm like, I want to hear somebody like me, somebody that's still in the trenches and stuff. So then when you suggested it, when I reached out just to say thank you, and you suggested it, I was like, "What do I have to say?" And I thought, "No, maybe I could be that voice for those people that are really in the trenches right now." Are you kidding me, Terry? I'm already thinking of inviting you to come back on in a few more months. So um, you're, <laughs> you're you're great at telling your story. Your story is amazing, and it, it's funny because what you just said is is um, a big. It's a big. It's it's a stick. It's tough for me. It's a sticking point for me, right? I want so I want the podcast to indicate um, that attitude, perspective, having the right tools, having the right ideas, kind of moving in the right direction can lead you to where you're going right now, right? With, yeah. But I don't want people who aren't there yet to think, oh my god, everyone's doing better than me, and. It's funny because if I if I put on a podcast where everybody's like, "Whoa, is me diabetes sucks and I, right. you can't get out of it," then all I'm going to do is reinforce the idea of like, "Oh, yep, this is the best I can expect out of my life, so I guess I'll just take it until I die." You, you know, <laughs> and and I don't want and and maybe that ends up being someone's reality, but I just hope that it doesn't have to be most people's reality, and so. I have heard from people. I've got friends, like you know, people I've known for a really long time in the community, who are even like, "Hey, when you say Arden's A1C, it makes me feel bad." 
And I'm like, it should make you feel hopeful. Like, because I'm not, I mean, I say it all the time. I'm I'm completely being honest when I say this. I'm not great at this. Like, if you told me right now that you wanted to know what Arden's, like, insulin to carb ratio was, I have no idea. (laughs) So (laughs) I've never turned a log into an endocrinologist. I, um, it's just, I've just found my way, feeling my way through it. The last two days of Arden's life with diabetes have been a train wreck. She, (laughs) She is in the middle of a cold, and her stomach's a little queasy, She's probably getting close to lady time. And on top of that, and I don't mean that for this month, I mean puberty. And, yeah. and I think that on top of that, we might have had a bad sight on a pump. If, you, if I could show you how horrible her graph has been over the last 48 hours, I have been beating my head against the wall. At one point, we used up her 200 units of insulin in 48 hours. And trust me, I have never done that before. She's a tiny little girl. She weighs about 92 pounds at this point. And so it just was, I knew it was going to be okay. I'm like, the cold will pass. It's going to get better. And, you know, but I can't come on for an entire podcast and tell you how bad everything was because it's not really, it's it's not an hour's worth of conversation because it shouldn't be. Because the fact of the matter is, is that at some point in your month, even if you're a person who's just really got their finger on this whole thing, something's going to get upside down on you, right? Oh, yeah. This is like the best disease to keep a person humble. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. No, I'm not. Oh, well. Yeah, the Man. management of this disease is just, is you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's just very dynamic. And uh, you just, yeah, some days you feel like on top of the world. And other days you feel like you'll never figure this out. And being empathetic to that is huge. I didn't have that for a long time. Right. So, yeah. And I think we, in this community, we have that. And that's really important. And what I think, if I do something well, it's that when that happens, I don't tumble into it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. mean, I don't start going, oh, this is it. I stink at this. This is no good. It's going to be like this forever. She's probably just going to die now. Like, I don't run down that path, that dark path. I just think, uh, all right, I know what to do. It's worked in the past. It'll work before. It might end up being a fight. Maybe I'm going to get tired in a couple of days. And trust me, I'm a little beat up right now from the whole thing. Um, because last night, I am just like pushing and pushing and pushing. And then there was this moment, like 1130 last night. And I was like, uh-oh, all the, it's all working. I fit everything that was wrong. I got straight. Her cold's giving up. And her blood sugar starts falling like a rock. And so if people don't think I don't take my own advice... Trust me, I was being bold right up until I was like, uh-oh. And then <laughs> then I was oh. shutting off basal rates and drinking, you know, juice. And, and I was up until like, it took me about two hours to get the low to stop. And she still hung low all night long because there was just so much insulin going that all of a sudden she didn't need anymore. You, you, yeah. you know, and but, but it, like I said, if I'm good at something, it's just moving on from that and not thinking that that's my norm. You, you know, I know yeah, what and my I think norm we is. all get that. I think everybody understands that. So, and you do, you have to, um, you have to like portray this in your podcast is it's, it's very dynamic. So you're sharing stories from all over the spectrum and yeah, that's, that's good. Well, I, I, I really appreciate it. I would say this and, and I hope, I hope Emerson hears this. I hope she realizes how great she is and, and what a wonderful mother she has and everything. But I want to, I want to give her a personal message. So I just okay. want to tell her that now that she has a glucose monitor, 
Emerson, there is going to be data coming in that's not going to always make sense. But after a certain number of experiences over and over again, more than maybe you want, maybe 10, 20, a dozen, all of a sudden you're going to see these trends that are just going to suddenly make sense to you. And you're going to start saying to yourself, wow, I could, I, I know the bolus here. I can stop a 120 diagonal up. And, and you know what I mean? Like, or I can get the 300 and get it back quickly without it in, enveloping my entire day. Like that information that's coming back from that glucose monitor, even though it's going to be kind of tough to sift through in the beginning, six months from now, you're not even going to think about diabetes anymore. You just, it's going to indicate something to you. You're going to know what to do next. And most days that's going to work. I'm so excited for her to get to that point. Emerson, I'm so excited for you to get to that point. Yeah, she said last night, she said, tell him that I feel like I am in control. And that, that's her biggest, I guess, um, thing that she feels right now is in control. I think for a long time she felt in, co- in tr- control of nothing. And she feels like she's the master of her diabetes right now. And it's not perfect, but it's, it's not, definitely. It, it's not, it, she, she's, 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 she's deciding on the direction now, not it, right? Yeah, 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 it's 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 a big difference, and um, her mood's so good too. <laughs> well, you know, when your blood sugar's low, you can make better decisions too. You, you know what I mean? Like you, she's, you know, the the part you got to be really excited about is that Emerson's going to be herself. You know what I mean? Like her, you know, I say this a lot, but her authentic self, like who her brain would have her be if her blood sugar wasn't bouncing up and down or incredibly high or incredibly low. Like you're going to see who your daughter really is. She's going to find out who she is. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy for you. It's it's just really <laughs> wonderful. It really is. Oh, oh. Good. Well, I'm glad I got to portray, you know, what we've been through and, and, and all that things, because I'm sure that there's, you know, a million more people going through, you know, what, what we've gone through in teenage years and diabetes. It's really tough. And uh, it's, we survived it. And I, I, yeah, I just feel so much more hopeful now. I feel um, just excited um, to reach out to others and be encouraging well i think they're thrilled to hear from i would be if i was listening to this so i'm i i'm I'm hoping everybody else will be too i actually i love this episode so much i'm pushing it up in the i'm going to make it like episode 101 instead of making it wait for its space and the thing i'm so excited to get it out to people (laughs) it's so funny i told my daughter in college last night i said i'm going to be on a podcast tomorrow and she was just like, my mom's famous (laughs) i'm like i don't know because she goes how many downloads I'm, i'm like Probably had what ten thousand downloads. Oh, I don't even oh, tell her the podcast is just about ready to get to two hundred thousand downloads. Two hundred thousand. Okay, yep. yeah. <laughs> so, congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm just listen seriously. It, it, I'm just thrilled that. I mean, look, look, you're a real like. You're the real other side of this, right? You know, like like I had this idea. Like I'm gonna tell you what. I'm going to say something nice about myself for a second because, damn it, I've been married a long time and no one ever says anything nice about me. And so (laughs) this was my – I feel so good now for you, right? But I also am feeling amazingly accomplished because this was – when I had this thought on the first day, this is what I wanted to happen. You you know, and and I'm a bit overwhelmed now listening to you talk about it because it was just sort of a pipe dream. Like it was my – it was my eight, nine years in the diabetes community, watching information go out and watching people's reaction and thinking, oh, I wish that it would, this would move people a little farther this way or that these conversations would be more productive or whatever it ended up being. And what have I learned and, and what can I do with it? Like, how do I get to that spot that I think 
would be beneficial to people. And I was like, I think this is going to do it. And the fact that it did it just for you tells me that it's probably done it for other people that I haven't heard from. And I just feel genuinely grateful at the moment that something that popped into my silly little head worked out. Like, I I really, I really do. (laughs) No, I just really want, I, I think back to that time between my daughter's diagnosis and when I was, when things started to make sense to me, and I just would have given anything to get from A to B faster, you know? And yeah. it's, and I'm sorry it took you so many years, but I'm so encouraged at the idea that in the end, once you've, once you actually got to point A, four months later, you feel like you're at B already. That's just an incredible accomplishment for you. I'm just really genuinely pleased for you. So. I appreciate yeah. you coming on and sharing your story. It was, it was, I thought very emotional and uh, and and insanely valuable for people to hear. So thank you very, very much. All right. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And right. keep doing what you're doing. Well, I have no choice now, Terry. I sold ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> thank well, you so much. Maybe Emerson will be brave enough someday to to, to talk to you. Emerson, whenever you. you want to come on this <laughs> podcast, you have an open invitation. Plus, you have great headphones, so you can come on whenever you want. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Huge thanks again to our sponsors, Dexcom and Omnipod. Please visit them at www.dexcom.com forward slash juice box or www.myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more. I also really want to thank Terry and Emerson for allowing their story to be told and Terry for being just so open and honest along the way. I hope that you got as much out of it as I did.